So, uh, so yeah, Andrew, so how are you doing, man? Doing all right? Great, dude. Cool. Doing awesome. I don't think I've seen you since L.A., obviously, and that was awesome. Actually, it was in Los Angeles. It was uh, Not San, L.A. San I don't Francisco. know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, tonight we're going to be uh, breaking down most of uh, UFC 196. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor at a welterweight, which is fucking yeah, crazy. Yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah. But before we get into that, uh, this past weekend, there was Anderson Silva versus Michael Bisping. Were you able to watch that fight? Yup. I watched it live. Do you have a fight pass? a lot pass. of emotions. Yeah, dude. What were your impressions? What was your initial impressions? Have you watched it more than one time? No, I only watched it once, but I don't think that my impression would change. Um, I, I do think that Bisping won a decision yes however the fight should have been stopped after that flying knee bisping was on the ground crumpled up he was done if there wasn't chaos and the next round had to start he probably didn't even got to his stool like he was he was a mess it was crazy i can't believe they didn't stop it that was uh the end of the fourth round right that happened third round third round okay all right even though the fight was not stopped at that point, I still think that going into the fourth round, Silva could have went in for the kill and took him out, man, because Bisping was like staggering. He was still, you know, pretty much smoked from that flying knee. So, I mean, hey, <clears throat> you know, he won the decision, you know, fair and square. I mean, if you just go by uh, rounds won and lost, he definitely won. However, there was that one controversial, uh, you know, flying knee. And then it seems like uh, Silva just couldn't pull the trigger in the fourth round. You know, that's insane, though, man. When he went up on the uh, jumped up on the cage, he was celebrating. And, and did you see he would he couldn't believe the fight wasn't over. <laughs> Could you imagine the adrenaline dump? Oh, man. Could you imagine getting your head back in the space? You think you just won. You're celebrating. You're on your knees. You're praying to your God or whatever. And then you go jump on the cage. You're like, woohoo, I just won this shit. Game <laughs> over. I just won. This is awesome. No, 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 no. It's not over, man. You got you got two more rounds left. <laughs> two more rounds. What the fuck? Yeah. Holy crap, man. I can't I, I can't imagine what that is like. I can't imagine the amount of energy he lost just from that. Yeah. Um Yeah, you know what's crazy about the stats is uh I was watching this video by Luke Thomas and the stats are, you know, he got this from somewhere else, but I saw it from him, uh, that Bisping's most, most active round was round four. Yeah. I mean, Silva just kind of like skated around the, around the uh, cage. Like he didn't really, you know, engage that much. And but uh, even so Bisping's biggest round of output 
was round four. With, round three, he got destroyed was at that, the end. Was that just strikes thrown or significant strikes in round four? Uh, I think it was actually strikes landed, but strikes thrown was up there too. It was yeah. crazy. It was like a really, really high number. It was the most he threw in the whole each round. It was crazy. It was like, wow. He So like, I got to say, hats off to Bisping oh, for yeah. being a tough SOB. Holy shit. His face, I had never seen it look like that before. It was a mess. Yeah, definitely respect to uh, Michael Bisping. I mean, I, I've always been a fan of his. I mean, I've always been a fan of Anderson Silva too, man. And, you know, I mean, he... Honestly, I kind of wish Anderson would retire once and for all. However, he did look... There were moments in that fight where he looked like the old Anderson Silva, though. You know, his head movement, all that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. But, uh... That shit, though, where he, like, stays against the cage... I have to say that his traditional martial art, his um, Wing Chun, looked amazing. I mean, like, it's crazy to see traditional martial arts used in the UFC. And when he was in there and he was hand blocking and he was just putting his back up against the cage and using that, it was amazing to see that. However, you're not going to win an MMA fight by deflecting punches with your hands. And he got caught a bunch because he wasn't 100% on. And he got knocked down in round one and two by this Bing, who's really just been like a volume puncher. And and Silva's best moments actually were not as a counter puncher. They're when he's getting aggressive. And I think that was because, I mean, shit, man. He's Anderson still, Silva. He still is Anderson Silva. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he's moving forward. And Bisping's like, fuck, this is Anderson Silva. You know, yep. he was very aware of that as, as, you know, shown by his victory speech saying it was just an honor to be in the cage with him, you know, like that's some pretty heavy praise. My thing is, uh, Anderson Silva pre Chris Weidman probably would have destroyed him though. In my opinion, for sure. But I mean, his chin is just gone, man. Yeah. He's just taking one too many on the chin just to, to show he can take one on the chin and he can't do it anymore. Yeah. I agree and if that's part that. of his fighting style, I, I don't, I don't know what else he can do. Yeah. By any chance, do you happen to see that Ken Shamrock uh, Dada 5000 fight? <laughs> oh, God. I saw highlights and that. I mean, you can't call them highlights. They're called highlights, but not for that. They should have been called Wastes of Life. That was the worst MMA fight I've ever seen in my life, man. Champ Morgan messaged me immediately and said, I think the same thing exactly. Word for word. Worst MMA fight. He might have just said fight. He's ever seen in his life. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, what people are saying, and I don't know if I agree with this completely, but it's like set the sport back twenty years. That's kind of a you know a dramatic. <laughs> thing. That's a dramatic thing to say, but yeah, it's not too far from the truth, you know. Another little quick fun fact is, um, I scored a copy of uh, the Smashing Machine on DVD recently. Nice. And, yeah, it's like uh, I've seen it. You know that that movie's on. You can watch it in its entirety on YouTube. But what I was really looking for was back in the days when I lived with Hunter, our mutual friend Hunter, he had a, he had a version of that film that had an extra on it uh, called Fight Day, which is a, a half-hour um, short film uh, featuring Henzo Gracie and uh, one of his pride fights. And that was really what I was after, and that's why I wanted to get like an official copy of uh, The Smashing Machine. But, uh, but yeah, I was stoked about that. So, I don't know. That's awesome, dude. It's little things in life that yeah, make on, me happy. Uh, on that note, too, talking about the past, 
Kevin Randleman, man. I haven't talked to you since Randleman yeah, passed away. I passed mean, away. Holy smokes, man. Dude is 44 years old. He was young. He was yeah. so young, man. It's Too- a shame. You know, I mean, my uh, my most sincere condolences go to his family for sure. Yeah, definitely, man. And, uh, yeah, that was a real bummer, man. It came as a shock. You know, it's like I I couldn't I thought it was I didn't know if it was real or not. Like when I first saw that he, you know, Kevin Randall had passed away, and I thought like it was some sort of like ironic. Like the, I was gonna read it and find out that he was alive, but some you know you know what I'm trying to say like some other thing had happened. But yeah, that yeah, was yeah these internet jokes like you yeah know, some kind of Leonardo internet. DiCaprio died today. You know, like a fishing accident. Like, it yeah. didn't happen. But yeah, you know. Respect to Kevin Randleman, one of the pioneers in mixed martial arts, no holds barred, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like he was up there, you know, with the greats, you know, with, uh, you know, Mark Coleman, Boss Rutten. Actually, he and Boss Rutten fought. Actually, Boss Rutten defeated Kevin Randleman to get the uh, heavyweight championship. Yeah, very contentious decision. Yeah, definitely a controversial fight. But, uh, but yeah, he's one, one of the greats of the sport. And, um, you know, it's a real loss. He almost killed Fedor. <laughs> yeah, I'll do with that suplex. Did you, yeah. that um <laughs> You know what's fucked up is like if you watch that suplex and um when he suplexes Fedor, like I read this thing about how f- the reason why Fedor didn't get his neck destroyed was that he just relaxed like right before he he hit the canvas. Can you imagine that shit? I would just be like, "Oh no. shit." And then I'd be dead or paralyzed or something like that. That would have killed anyone else, I think, you know. It's like Fedor's Sambo really came into play there and he was like i'm just gonna relax crazy yeah it's funny like every now and then i'm like i think about fedor and i think about chuck liddell and how chuck liddell had you know the the ice man was his uh nickname i kind of feel like yeah. fedor is a different type of ice man you know what i'm saying like just emotionless no joy no fear no sorrow composed just like machine you know so in a lot of ways like fedor could have been the ice man too so anyway, let's for get sure. Let's, I mean, at the same time, they did have uh, Igor Vovchanchian, who was ice cold. Yeah, that was his nickname. <laughs> um, I, I highly recommend if you haven't seen it, and to anyone listening, it's really, 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 really powerful. Is um, Ariel Hawani interviewed Phil Baroni on the MMA Hour? Whew. Yeah. What is it? It's powerful. Talking man. about it's really, Randleman, really, Kevin Randleman, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. Phil Baroni's another one of those guys. He was there in the beginning too, man. Was he actually part of the Hammer House gym too? Oh my God, the story he tells about Hammer House is pretty amazing. Just how he was like a, just a, I think he wrestled at Hofstra and I guess he looked up to Randleman and one day he somehow met up with Coleman and Randleman or something was like, hey, can I train with you guys? And they're like, yeah, sure. You know, (laughs) but I think he like might've hung out with them first. Like they're like, yeah, you know, probably like carry our bag and he's like okay you know and he went on to become the new york badass like yeah man baroni at his peak was fucking awesome baroni he's all roided out should have been uh the middleweight champion of the ufc back in the day yeah just one of those boxing wrestlers you know what i mean just like actually baroni had really good hands i thought you know like a lot of those wrestlers were like would really rely heavily on the wrestling and they would throw these sort of like haymakers but uh, Baroni had actual uh, good combinations and head movement. And, like, I mean, I, I don't know if he actually had 
any like amateur boxing experience prior to his MMA career, but it looks like he definitely mm. did a lot of training, you know, in boxing. But yeah, man, he's a another guy. I'm sure everyone, anyone who's interested in this particular episode of the um, Everything Went Black podcast is probably familiar with all these people. I think the av- you know, this is a lot different than some of the other episodes. So some people I think might tune out, except for the actual fans of this kind of stuff. <laughs> so it's the um, important history, man. It's the good stuff. Yeah, definitely, dude. Um, yeah, there's a you there's know, like, you don't get to, you don't get to today without George Washington. <laughs> All right, man, let's get into these fights. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on in the prelims. Uh, early prelims, what's crazy is uh, we have um, Jim Miller and Diego Sanchez as the headliners of the early prelims. Is that on Fight Pass? That's on Fight Pass. That's great. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I don't have cable. I get to watch it. Like, you know, that's... um. Kind of like I feel like it might be a do or die situation for both of these guys. Um, you know, Miller's one and four, and he's coming off a loss to Mike Chiesa, and uh, I believe um, Diego is also coming off to a loss to to uh, Lamas. So that's right, and, and they don't, yeah, they was... haven't their last five fights have been sort of up and down, like a checkered, you know, sort of performance. So. Um, I hate to say it, man, but I think that one of these guys might be getting the axe after this fight. What are you? What are your feelings on that? Yeah, I can't see what more they could do with either of these guys at this point. You know, I mean, they're at the end of their careers. As much as that sucks to hear, because they're both very similar. I mean, this is fantastic matchmaking. Yeah, because this could be a title fight on some like you know, a regional show for sure. This would be a title fight. They, they're still name guys. They're still amazing fighters. I love this thing too. When it's like one Jim Miller's 25 and seven, Diego Sanchez is 25 and eight. If Miller loses, he becomes 25, eight, you know, yeah. uh, I like that type of thing. It's so weird. Um, it's tough, man. Cause Sanchez used to have a fantastic, uh, jujitsu game. I mean, I mean, he, Almost, he was taking control of Jake Ellenberger when Ellenberger was still the juggernaut, you know? Right. Um, and Jim Miller obviously has a great submission game, too, though. He got caught. Uh, I think Kiesa caught him. I want to say someone else did, too. Maybe it was like El Kakui or something. I don't know if that actually happened. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, but, yeah, um, he fought Ferguson. Yeah. I think Ferguson beat him. Yeah, it was him. Ferguson. Yep. Yeah. But I don't know if Diego's not. He doesn't wrestle or scramble anymore. He, he just punches. goes in there and does rock'em sock'em robots. Yeah, which is a drag. Jim Miller's not stupid. He's not going to do that. If, if if Diego goes in there, just stands up straight and starts throwing these robotic one twos, Miller's going to go under it. He's going to clinch. He's going to try to take him down and work from there. Whether he can submit Diego, I don't know. They're both black belts, uh, but he probably can beat him up from the top with like elbows. Yeah, so ground and pound. I think Miller can win. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the stats here. I mean, Diego has his. It's like he's lost to better guys than Jim Miller. You know, like Melendez, Miles Jury. Um, you know, and it's a tough call. You know, it's like my heart wants to say that Diego Sanchez is going to win, but I believe that his approach to fighting um, has 
changed over the years and that his style now lends his, lends himself to be beaten by Jim Miller. You know what I mean? So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pick Miller in this as well. I'd like to say on that, that we haven't seen Diego fight against lesser opponents than we have. I mean, I know it sounds like a obvious statement, but he may have already fallen off the cliff and we just don't see it because he's losing against top guys, but he might lose against, some not top guy, but we just haven't seen it. That's true. Like they're not booking him with fights that he are like below the top 10, which is tough. Um, maybe he just won't accept them. I, I don't know. Maybe he costs too much, but it's possible, man. If you put him in there against someone else uh, at 155, like Michael Chiesa, that he might just get steamrolled, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, Melendez, that was that classic war, you know, that was a rock'em sock'em robots fight on both sides. Um, that was a decision. Jury was a decision. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I still, I still believe that Diego, maybe he's got hit in the face too many times or whatever. But like, I think that he's uh, seen better days, you know. And and it's sad to say that I'm gonna, you know. I, I, the thing is too, I love Jim Miller. That's the thing. It makes it sound like I think Jim Miller is a great fighter, you know. But I'm going to go with him on this one. He's going to be my pick, Miller. Do you have stats in front of you on this? Because no. I'm curious. I don't think that Diego Sanchez has lost by submission or knockout, except was that BJ Penn fight stopped? Ah, uh, man. I want to say that that was a decision as well. I don't have the stats in front of me because I'm using both man, computers that, right it's now. Crazy, right? Because I don't. I'm pretty sure he has not been submitted. I can't remember him ever getting KO'd or TKO'd. Yeah, that's just, the only one I think it could be. I, I'm going to say this one's going to be a decision, honestly. I'm going to say... I mean, that's I mean, amazing. That's, that's how we lost decisions. That's how he loses, you know? Like, if Diego would... I mean, if he, if he made it through the beating, well, the mutual beating against Gilbert Melendez, I mean, I can't imagine him getting knocked out by anybody, man. Like, they were just beating the hell out of each other, you know? That's true. And he's slick on the ground. Like, if you take him down, he's going to be slick, you know? So I'm going to say this is going to be a decision, Jim Miller by decision. I think so, too. Yeah. Like, Jim Miller might, you know, just control the fight. He might not be getting hit as much as Diego because, you know, Diego rushes in, hands down, one, two, one, two, you know, really no sophistication to his strikes. You know, occasionally he'll try to throw a round kick, but it's like telegraphed, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, he just tries to win on sheer brutality, you know, and I think Miller might be a little too crafty. I'm not saying he's a better striker, but I just think that he might be a little too crafty to get caught in those, like, straightforward assaults. I think so, too. There's, like, a couple other things on the early prelims. There's uh, that Julian Erosa guy is fighting Teruto Ishihara. Um, I don't know if you watch I don't know it. anything about Erosa. He's, like, oh, he was on the Ultimate Fighter. Um he was on the Europeans versus the, the U.S., so he was on Faber's team. And, um, you know, just kind of like this dude, you know, <laughs> no discernible style, really, you know what I mean? He's just like one of these MMA fighters, you know. He's not like a great striker. I don't, You might have a couple of submissions, you know. That name, that's the only name that really sticks out when I'm looking, looking through the, the early prelims. Yeah, Vitor Miranda, I was surprised that he's in the bottom, too, because I'm He's on a two-fight win streak with two TKOs. Um, 
Actually, Vitor Miranda, he's on the early, he's on the the FS1 prelims. Which one's that? That's the next round of prelims. Oh, really? Yeah. Sorry, I'm reading the Sure Dog listing. No, that's cool. You know, this is like the, you know the Diego and uh, Jim Miller headline the early prelims. They're on Fight Pass. So then the next round of prelims is the Fox Sports One prelims, and that's uh-huh. Vitor Miranda's on that. Yeah, and he's that yeah. makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he, you know, he's he's up he's sort of on the rise, you know. He's got those two wins. Um actually isn't uh Marcelo I don't, I don't know this this guy Gumarez Gumarez also has a couple of wins put together too. So that that might be a good fight, though I don't really have a clear path as to who to pick in that one really. Like myself, you know. Looking at straight stats, uh Marcelo looks more like a submission guy and Vitor, you know, he's coming off two TKOs, one over Clint Hester. Uh, sort of a classic clash of styles, you know? Yeah. It's funny we still see that. I don't mind it. I like it. Um, I, I'm going to go with Miranda on that. I honestly can't really decide because I don't know enough about either one of these guys. We got uh, Eric Silva post-TRT. <laughs> another guy who looks a lot different ever since they started the, the drug testing yeah still though this is a softball man i mean hey you know when i say these things obviously i'm saying it statistically and as a fan nordine taleb would kill me but yeah he's not gonna kill eric silva i don't think he does have five KOs, TKOs, but he hasn't had one since 2012 in Bellator. And ever since then, it's just been decisions. Yeah. And I don't think that winning a decision against Eric Silva is pretty difficult because he's just like constant. You know? Yeah. He's got, he's got good, a good pace. He's a volume guy. Also, he, he's, used to, he's used to a higher level of competition, I think, too. You know, he fought Mike Brown. Matt Brown, rather. Matt Brown. Actually, he hit Matt Brown early in that fight. I don't know if you remember the fight with Matt Brown, but he he got yeah, caught man, him, he caught him in the liver. Body. Yeah, he caught him in the liver or something like that, and and rocked him. And, and then he stopped. Yeah. Oh, it was like body, 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 and then he just like stopped, and Brown surged. That was an awesome fight. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up on Fight Pass. Oh yeah. After we get off the phone, I'll watch that again. Totally. That that's like one one of the one of the stand, standout fights. You know, in Matt Brown's career and and Eric Silva's career, because he came right out guns blazing, he hit him with Crazy a round, round kick in the in the body, dropped him. I thought it was all oh, over yeah. for the, the immortal, but the immortal proved to be truly immortal, and he fucking <laughs> weathered the storm and ended up taking the fight. That was a great fight, but that's what I mean. That's why you know Eric Silva is just he's just fight. on a he is basically on a different level, you know, in my opinion. So I'm going. He's my pick in this fight. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, the headline of the preliminaries is Brandon Thatch versus C.R. Bahadurzada at the welterweight division. Real quick. Yeah. Did we skip over Darren Elkins, Chas Skelly, or is that on the main card? Uh, we skipped over that one. <laughs> I'll talk about it real yeah. quick because I love Chas Skelly ever since... I don't remember who I was trying to find it on Sure Dog, which fight it was. I can't remember. 
But he won this fight on like crazy short notice. It was crazy. And he did it. He was fighting so constant, going for the takedowns, rushing in, grabbing the guy, striking, takedown, take him down. Dude got up. He got like a ridiculous amount of takedowns in the fight and was just constantly like a dog in the fight. And then when it ended, he was so exhausted. He was like his corner dudes had to help hold him up. And he was just like huffing and puffing. And he was like, you know, telling, uh, I think it was John Anik. He was just like, oh my God, like, I'm sorry I'm up here. You know, I can't breathe. But <laughs> I, I took this fight on like a week notice, you know? And I was like, God damn, that guy's got heart. And he like, he gave it 100% the whole fight. And I'm like, that dude, I'm going to fan of him forever. And uh, he has one loss on his record to Mirsad Bektik, which that guy's, he's going to be top five. And it. then he recently won against Jim Ehlers by TKO um, and just destroyed Ehlers uh, standing up. So he's just this, this scrappy guy with real lanky with takedowns and just this crazy gas tank. And Darren Elkins is kind of the same thing with less striking. You know, he just goes in there and grabs you and sandbags you down. Um, there, It's almost like a... One guy is going to take the role. You know, I think Chaz Kelly is going to become the new Darren Elkins. And Elkins has been win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win since March 2013. So statistically, if I follow that, this probably will be a loss. Um, he's just not consistent. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember it how much of Chaz Skelly's fights I've seen. Like, I haven't really seen a lot of either one of these guys. You know, I'm definitely going to check that out. For some, I have yeah. They both have like I think Elkins probably has five fights in the UFC at this point, and uh, Chaz Skelly I think has four. I want to say that uh, Elkins fought Jeremy Stevens. Yes, and he lost. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I'm starting to get a picture of who this guy is. You know what I mean? I have I have Skelly written down for my uh, pick, and I might have just went straight off of just stats for that one, you know, record. Oh, I wish I could remember his name. There's this Irish-looking fellow, uh, Pat Healy. Oh yeah, Darren Elkins. Darren Elkins is like, like a featherweight Pat Healy. Isn't Pat Healy in Bellator now? I think he he didn't. He, which he got caught for. Didn't he get like uh, suspended for like weed or something like that? Testing positive for like marijuana. Is that is that true or marijuana? Am I like, am I, like making that up? Or, like what? Didn't wasn't there some marijuana like weed? He he tested positive for that. Didn't he like die in a fishing boat? You know? <laughs> no, I'm serious, man. But I think Pat Healy isn't in the <laughs> UFC anymore, though. I don't think. No, he is. no, he's definitely not. Yeah, I he got cut. That he was in Titan. Yes, boom. Okay. All right, Titan he FC. Was in Titan okay. FC, where he became, he became the champion, and then, um, fuck that judo guy, who fought at lightweight and welterweight in Bellator. Oh, man, I loved him. He was awesome. I love people who go between two weight classes, and you're like, you don't deserve, you're not you don't deserve, you shouldn't be at 170. You're undersized, and then they still fuck shit up. It's awesome. Uh, I can't remember his name though. He was a judo guy. He beat Pat Healy 
And then he retired. He just retired. He, got, he was like, he got the, I'm he out. He got the title and said, eh, I'm done. He's like, eh. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, eh, fuck it. I'm taking this home. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a good style, I guess. Saves you, you know, saves you, you know, brain trauma, that kind of thing. Yeah, he'd been in it for a while. I loved him. I wish he would have been in the UFC, honestly. He's a fun fighter. Bellator is lucky to have him. Hey, since you have Fight Pass, if you did you check out The Last Glory? There was a Glory. I didn't, they're on there now? I didn't oh, I yeah, dude. Dude, the new plan. Apparently, um, well, Glory is now on Fight Pass because, you know, they're no longer on Spike TV. Right. Uh, Eddie Bravo Invitational Jiu-Jitsu Tournaments submission tournaments are also going to be are also on uh ufc fight pass super awesome yep and i heard that the ufc has acquired the k1 library so in the future i mean there's like tons of fights so they're in oh the, my god it's awesome yeah they're in like the technical aspect of you know transcoding everything and you know that's gonna i think it's gonna launch later this year because they're gonna they're redoing the whole user interface and it the information I got is that K1 is going to be on there as well, which is... I'm going to watch all the Remy Bonyaski fights. It's going to be awesome. Dude, that's fucking awesome. But anyway, the fight this past weekend, um, it was uh, Joe Schilling took the fight in 11 days notice. Yeah, like he stepped in. Because apparently he is not going to continue fighting for glory kickboxing. He is going to be in the new Bellator kickboxing um, league. Like they have a, they started a division in Bellator for kickboxing. So yeah, that's crazy. Team, it is, you know. I mean, probably Paul Daly. I imagine will be in that. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. Glory still has great fights, though, man. It's just it's a drag that they're not on Spike anymore because I used to love coming home on Friday nights and watching those fights. You know, you got Rico Verhoeven, uh, Nikki Holskin, you know, Simon Marcus, like all these killer, you know, kickboxers and. Uh, Man, they just kickboxing just cannot get a break in the United States, man. And can't I don't get a full hold. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I would. I would think. I mean, I could see pre MMA, like in in the eighties or whatever, kickboxing not being you know very popular, you know. But since the sort of explosion in the last like eight years of mixed martial arts, you know, and everyone loves when when everyone's their guys are standing. They love the striking aspect of mixed martial arts. You would think that people would want to tune in and see like really high level striking, you know. But no one, no one's interested, man. It's a bummer. So anyway, everybody out there, tune into Glory, man. It's like you're missing out if you haven't checked out Glory Kickboxing and you like the stand up fighting and MMA. Go and tune in and see some like real like masters of that martial art. You know, there's some great fighters in that league and. uh you know, you, you guys all need to check it out if you're into it, you know. Yeah, that's great news, man. You know, of course, K1 is legendary shit. A lot of the guys in the UFC were in K1, you know, like Alistair Overeem, you know. So the headline... So sorry, before we, oh, before ahead, we went back to uh, Chaz Skelly, you were talking about uh, Amanda Nunez? She's, uh, she's on the main card, but I was talking about uh, Brandon Thatch. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're the headline fight. Of, of the uh, Fox Sports 1 prelims. And um, Brandon Thatch, man, it's like, I feel like this is kind of a do-or-die situation for him too, man. 
because he's kind of been very erratic in his performances. I mean, he lost his last two fights. Granted, one of them was to Benson two Henderson. Fights. You know, granted, you know, losing to Benson Henderson, a lot of people lose to Benson Henderson at 170, though. You know, and but then he lost also his last fight to Gunnar Nelson, and Gunnar Nelson knocked him out. So, you know, interesting. Uh, he dropped him. And then he submitted him, didn't he? No, he um, I'm probably getting this wrong. I, I, I he think he dropped him with that straight left. I think Gunnar Nelson might have knocked him out. We should uh, let's give a little quick pause here, and I'll see. Sure. I'll just edit the silence out. <laughs> yeah. I like Thatch though, man. I just wish that he had some grappling yeah, I mean, skills. Yeah, he's giant, and his Muay Thai is brutal. Dude, it's not even not not only Muay Thai though. That dude's like throwing. He's like um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, sort sort of. He's got this kind of weird. Like at times, he has this these like point karate style like Taekwondo kicks that he's using. You know, like like in typical like the Thai style kicks, like it's all hip, and you just kind of swing that leg. But a, a lot of like uh, like Taekwondo round kicks, there's like you come in with your knee sort of bent and you like whip your shin or your instep. So it's like you're you're you know you're you're pivoting, you have your hip engaged, and then you whip that last that last bit of your shin into the body the person's body or across his neck or whatever. So his some of his kicks are very traditional, you know, Taekwondo style kicks. And then also he mixes in all the, the Muay Thai and boxing and all this other stuff. I mean, he's, he's sick, man. I think he's great. I just, it's a shame. It's a shame if he gets cut because I think that the dude's got a lot of potential, but this might be it, man. I mean, you can't lose too many fights in a row and stick. Totally. I mean, he's only 11 and three and and I know he's on a two fight losing streak, but Is this recording right now? <laughs> yeah, it is. All right, then I'll keep talking about that. Yeah, keep talking. Um, yeah, because CR, he's on a two-fight losing streak, too. So here's – that's where it's interesting. Um, Brandon Thatch to, you know, Ben Henderson and Gunnar Nelson. Uh, CR to John Howard and Dong Kyung Kim. And, uh, man, looking at CR's record is scary. 11 TKOs, six subs, and then, uh, I guess, five decisions or uh, uh, four. And uh, he's had seven fights since 2009, all of the wins. So he's had nine fights, but in the seven wins he's had, all of those wins have been TKO, except for one, which was a submission. Man, you know, remembering Brandon getting caught by that, that straight punch, you know, I know it was like a leaping type of karate Machida-esque punch. But CR has fast hands, and he's going to go in there, and he's going to want to throw. He's smaller than Brandon. He has less reach than Brandon. But I don't if, – if he puts hands on him, Thatch is going down, man. Yeah. It, it's a tough fight. It's, a, it's not an easy fight no, for no, Thatch. not at all, know. man. But sort of like they're like, you know, 
We're going to throw a hot coal at you, and you have to dodge it, and you might still get burnt. Yeah. Oh, so it, tur- it turns out that Gunnar Nelson submitted Brandon Thatch. Was that a real naked choke? I, I don't, dude. I don't. I, 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 all I remember is Nelson hitting him and Thatch going down, and I don't remember what the actual submission was. It might have been a rear naked choke. But, um, but yeah, I just I pulled up the, the results quickly, and um, it just says win submission. I don't recall what the technique was. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, CR could get him by sub, too. Dude's got six submission wins, you know? I don't, I don't know what ranking he is in the ground, but he's not a slouch. This could be an awesome fight, though, man. I mean, if, if Thatch comes in and plays, you know, th- keeps him on the outside, you know, because he's got the reach advantage on him, it could be like a really interesting fight. You know, I kind of wish, in, in a way, I want I want Thatch to win this fight. I don't know if he's going to, but like I'd like to see him win, and I'd like to see him take like a year off and just fucking wrestle and roll jujitsu. Like, I'm not sure. I think he's at that camp in uh, Colorado, I think, right? Grudge. Grudge, okay. Maybe go to the fucking Winkle John, you know? Like, go go to Greg Jackson and just wrestle with those guys and just fucking learn the ground game, you know? And uh, I don't know, man. I'm going to pick Thatch. Cause I, and I was, the, the, my reasoning in this is because he can play the outside really well. You know, and he's got killer striking. You know, and I want to believe that he's going to win, actually. So that's like kind of like, you know, my emotions are also informing my my pick here. Yeah, it's tough. I think I might actually go with CR because I just think that I can imagine him just leaping in, you know, leaping in and catching Thatch. You know, it'd be fun, though. Uh, You're talking about different camp for Thatch to go to. Power MMA. Go to Power MMA and just get wrestle fucked <laughs> yeah. for like a while, you know, with Aaron Simpson and Brian Bader and you'll learn how to wrestle or you'll get injured. I don't know. You should just go to the Lions Den with Ken Shamrock. <laughs> and uh just fucking get thrown around by a bunch of roided out dudes. <laughs> All right, man. So now on to the uh, to the main card, and uh, it opens up with Amanda, Amanda Nunez versus Valentina Shevchenko for a bantamweight fight. And I actually caught Shevchenko's debut. She's got one fight in the UFC, I believe, and uh, it was a pretty decisive win. And this uh, Shevchenko can definitely strike, man. You know, similar style to to our our uh, Polish friend at the Joanna uh, Jan Jacek, like very Muay Thai heavy, um, you know, killer strikes. But Nunez, I think, has got a lot more you know experience, like in the in the cage, you know. Yeah, very well rounded Nunez, yeah, super she, aggressive. Yeah, you know, she beat uh, Sarah McCann and Shana, Shana Baszler. Um, and her loss, I believe, is to Kat Zingano, which is like, you know, yep. Kat's one of the top five in the women's bantamweight division. So, but uh, I think it's going to be a tough fight. Um, Shevchenko debuted against uh, Sarah Kaufman. Is that her name? Kaufman. Oh, yeah. Is that her name, Sarah Kaufman? Yeah. 
Sarah Kaufman, sure. Yeah. And she kind of former strike force champion. And she did a pretty good job beating her up. Like she 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 won, you know. So I mean she came out hot into the you know, into the UFC. So um you know, for me I'm, I'm, I'm actually gonna pick Shevanko in this one. I think that she's like one of these like new jack women from the Eastern Bloc, you know. They breed them tough out there. Uh, she's got that really aggressive style. I mean, she beat Sarah Kaufman. She looked good. There's only that one fight to base things on. You know, Nunez, definitely aggressive, comes forward, but doesn't have the technique, I think, that Shevanko has. Does Shevanko have any type of uh, grappling background, or, or is she just mainly a striker? She's got a little bit. I mean, once again, she's that fight was a lot a very stand-up fight, you know, but she has defensive grappling, you know, like takedown, defense, like that sort of thing. You know, her her game plan is to, like even in clinches, she doesn't want to stay in the clinch too long either, you know. Yeah. And if she gets taken down, she gets back up. That's pretty much the, the game plan. That one need to be on point for sure. Yeah. But Kaufman is a sick wrestler, though. I mean, and she, she beat her pretty pretty soundly. You know, and uh, like I was saying, it's like, it's a defensive game, you know, because I know Nunez is primarily known as a grappler, you know, even though she's a very aggressive, yeah. stand up, you know, forward, you know, similar stands in front of you, that kind of thing. And that's where, I, that's why I'm going to pick Shevanko, because if she decides to stand in front of her, she's going to get lit up. But once again, that's, I only have one fight to look at. I think it might be, um, a fight of the night. I think it's going to be an awesome fight when I look at it. <sighs> I don't know enough about Shakal. I'm going to stick with my my uh, Shevanko. I think I'm going to go with that as, as the, the the victor in that bout. Right on. So we got uh, Filthy Tom Lawler versus Corey Anderson. <laughs> Cor- Corey... What Anderson? Oh yeah, well, that's what's his nickname again? He's got like uh, Beaston twenty five. That's it. Yeah, I couldn't remember the numbers. Beast. I know it's Beaston something or other. Yeah, Beaston twenty five eight. <laughs> <laughs> Did he not? If I remember correctly, wasn't didn't Corey Anderson? Was it? I think he was in like a Metamorris at like a la, a last. I think like he was their last minute replacement for for like Vinny Magliese or something. I mean, dude, I might be making this up, but I remember. I want to say I remember him in an early Metamorris. Huh. If, if anyone out there know. can confirm or or dis- discredit this statement I'm making, um, you know, please do so. But I can't I can't confirm this because my my foggy memory is conjuring up pictures, you know, images of him fighting in it or grappling in a, in a metamorphosis tournament. And it was like a last minute replacement. So I don't know if this is true or not. Well, he does beast 25, eight. So I bet he was there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird fight. Uh, Corey Anderson had that gross win against Maldonado. Tom Lawler had that crazy win against uh, a man fighting, I think later on the card. Yeah, John John Vellante. Yeah. Um, dude, I I don't think that Lawler is big enough for this division. I heard an interview with him, and he actually the he he's weighing in at like two or three or something like that. 
Like he's actually below the weight limit, you know, and he's, yeah, I, I think that at light heavyweight, Filthy's going to get manhandled a little bit, you know what I mean? I hate, you know, didn't he, he took a really long layoff too, didn't he? He took like a, he took year, a really off, long layoff. Like a year and a half. Because I think yeah. his last fight was like in, in 2013 or something like that, or it was a while ago, 2014. But he won his last his his return fight. He 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 won. Yeah, he won his last two. Yeah. So I don't remember if the one that he won before this. I think it was in Sweden or something. I don't remember. If, I don't know if he if that was at light heavyweight though. That's what I'm, I'm a little confused on. Yeah, I think this is the wrong weight division for him. You know. I mean, if he's going to continue fighting, he needs to, like, go down to middleweight, you know. My pick is with Corey Anderson in this. Yeah. You know. Definitely. He's going to beast him. Power and size, you know. Definitely. Lawler was saying, oh, you know, all this drug testing, I think people are going to start fighting more at their natural weight. I wish that was true, but I don't think it is, man. I think that there's going to be clean dudes cutting weight. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. It's like, if that if he were right, then we would have seen a crazy change in weight classes all over the board because, you know, there, there are tons of people who I'm sure are using something. Yeah. So uh, the next fight's, I think, going to be good. Uh, John Volante versus Elir Latifi. I think that's going to yeah, be... Yeah, dude. That's going to be... Ify, man. Another light heavyweight bout. Volante's in for some shit. Oh, yeah, dude. I got Latifi in this one straight up. You know? He's a handful for fucking anybody, man, you know? Totally, dude. He's a, a fridge. Yeah. With muscles. <laughs> yeah, I- man. You, you look at John Volante's last three wins... He TKO'd Corey Anderson in the third round of their fight. I think that was the one where they were like Houston Alexander Kimbo Slice exhausted. They were tired, man. That fight was terrible. Then he lost against Tom Lawler, and then he beat Anthony Paroche. I mean, all respect to the hippo, but that dude was at the end of his shelf life. I think he retired after that fight, didn't he? And after the fight, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, dude. Anthony Perot should have retired after that Bader fight. It yeah. was like three, ten, eight rounds. Holy shit, man. That's like No. <laughs> you gotta go, dude. You, you gotta you got a family. You gotta get out of there. Um Euler Latifi, four wins in the UFC, all by finish, three TKO, one submission. Yeah. He's gonna TKO Sean Volante. I'm gonna get with that too. For sure, man. Yeah. So now we're uh, we're getting into the championship. Well, what was originally proposed as two championship fights coming up now is one championship fight. We have uh, the reigning champ Holly Holm versus the perennial uh, contender <clears throat> Misha Tate, Misha Cupcake Tate. Cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> For, this sounds uh, like something like. Uh, James Brown would have said, yeah. "Cupcakes." Is it? Isn't that, that's her nickname, right? Cupcake. 
It is. Yeah, yeah right. I, I wasn't. Yeah, I was right about that at least. Oh, you're, you're totally right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The women's <laughs> bantamweight title fight, and this is an interesting fight, I think, honestly, because um, I'll tell you some of my thoughts about this first before we get into who we're going to pick. You know, obviously, we all know Holly Holm defeated uh, Ronda Rousey. Okay. Now, a long time ago, and I might even have said this on the podcast, that I always felt like Ronda would have, could have been beaten by somebody who was an exceptional kickboxer, like someone who could play the game of distances and who had good you know, um, takedown defense and, and that sort of thing. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Holly Holm, championship boxer and kickboxer, knocked her out in the second round. Okay. Now, one of the things that... Ronda always lacked, as far as grappling goes, in her arsenal is wrestling. If you know, none of her take, she never shoots double legs, single legs. There's no trips, none of that sort of stuff. All of her takedowns are from the clinch. They're all throws. You know, they're all judo judo based takedowns. Okay. So yeah, in the in the fight against Holly Holm, she you know she wasn't able to take her down. Actually, Holly Holm took her down. But I think this is where Misha Tate actually adds a new flavor into this whole mix that is interesting. Is because Misha Tate is, a, is, a, is an excellent wrestler. So whether or not she is going to, able, going to be able to defeat Holly Holm is another, another story. But I think that this is not just going to be like a, a cakewalk like a lot of people are proposing. So I don't know. What do, what do you think about that? What I just said. I think it's going to be a cupcake walk. <laughs> I think that Holly Holm is going to pick her apart as she rushes in, tries to get those takedowns. And I think that her face is going to look like she got hit in the face with a cherry pie. Warrant. The other thing that people talk about is uh, Misha Tate's tenacity, too. You know, that she could take a shot, you know. Do you think this too tenacious? Yeah, that's true. Now, I, I actually counter puncher. She's going to do that distance and stay yeah. on the outside, and Tate's just going to keep running in. And I feel like she's just going to keep running into those fists. I I have home in this fight for sure, you know. But do you think this will go the distance or will be another knockout? That's the question I really have. Oh, it's tough, man. Because a lot of Holmes' fights go the distance. Until something opens up, uh, I could honestly see Tate just sort of getting beat up really bad over five rounds. Yeah. And then just having like a really lopsided decision where it's like, oh, that was ugly, you know? I'm going to say. Definitely picking home. I'm, oh, yeah, for sure I'm picking home. I'm just interested to see how the whole thing plays out because um, I'm curious sure. to see if she's going to. I'm curious to see if she's gonna if she's gonna knock Misha out or not, or if it's gonna be a decision. I'm gonna say knockout, like a third round knockout. Round, third round, yeah. Because you know, me like I said, Misha could take a shot. You know, she's gonna rush forward, and you know, I think Holly's gonna catch her one of those times when her hands are down. You know. Kat Sagano, right? Yep. Was that the fight where she that I think... opened with a flying knee against Ronda Rousey? No, against Misha Tate. Those two fought, right? Yeah, and yeah. Misha won, but didn't she get like 
No, no, wait. Zingano won. That's how she got her title shot. Yes. And Tate was like messed up, man. Yeah. Zingano like mauled her. Um, yeah. I think that we could see a repeat of that face. That's a shame, man. It's a damn shame. Yeah. You want to know something funny? All right. So we broke down in a town called Edgewood, New Mexico. All right. So, um, you know, you never think of these things, Edgewood, whatever, right? You, uh, we went to the, the auto place and when I was cashing out with the lady, I looked over and there was a picture of Holly Holm, a signed autographed picture of Holly Holm. And um, I'm like, fuck. This is where the, uh, you know, fucking Cowboy Cerrone's, uh, um, his ranch is, is located out here too. And the, the Winkle John, um, you know, Jackson MMA camp is, is in that area as well. And it just dawned on me that I'm like, fuck, man. I'm in New, I'm in New Mexico and I'm in a town. This is like where all that shit is. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a cool little aside. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. There's like a signed Holly Holm. That's weird, man. Yeah. That was really cool. Huh. All right. Now, this next fight is a fucking circus, you know? Yeah, I didn't write any notes for this. <laughs> no, I, I didn't either because it's like I don't even know what to fucking say about it. It's like, yeah, you know, Conor McGregor, will, he'll fight anybody as long as they don't have a full training camp, you know, whatever. But... um <laughs> <laughs> The whole thing, once again, is kinky. You know, yeah, I know. Nick Diaz, or I'm sorry, Nate Diaz, is always in good shape. You know, he's like, apparently he was like getting ready for like a marathon or some triathlon or something like that. So he's in shape. But, you know, he's still, there's no training camp. 11 days or what, 12 days or something like that. And he's going to step in there with Conor McGregor at 170. Okay. Now, I would love to see... Nate Diaz fight him at 155 with a full training camp. You know, I just think that this whole thing is a travesty and like, yeah, great. All the fans want to see it. That's awesome. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, McGregor's probably going to win, but I still will never, ever in my life pick McGregor. I don't care if I, I will never pick that fucking guy ever. I'm always going <laughs> to go with the guy, whoever it is, I'm going against him. <laughs> so I, I can't, you know, realistically, I can't, I can't really make a educated call on this one. You know what I mean? Because I just despise that guy so much. Oh, it's tough, man. I There's, hope Nate. The pick- only thing I like about McGregor is that he's got those like, I'm gonna fight anyone. He's got those like NHB balls. You know, he's like, I'll fight at 170. I'll fight Rob Lawler. I'm like, uh, okay. I think it's a horrible idea, but sure. Why not? You know, it's crazy. He's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to get the featherweight championship. I'm going to get the lightweight championship. I'm like, you know, a lot of people like talk and stuff, but he actually is in a position to get those fights. Yeah. And he'll take them. He's not just going to be like, yeah, I'll do this. And then like, nah. So, that's the thing I like about him. I absolutely can't stand everything else about him, really. Yeah. It's, he's super annoying. Absolutely. But I do think that he's, he is very good. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I got to. 
I'm not sure how good he is. It's hard to figure out because I don't feel like he's really been tested in the right situation. You get Mendez on two weeks. Yeah. You get the Aldo knockout in like two seconds. It was horrible. 13 seconds, yeah. I, I was really looking forward to the Dos Anjos fight. Oh, yeah. Big time. Me too. But we get this. And, uh, man, I don't know. Nate Diaz is such an unknown, man. He looked fantastic against Michael Johnson. Um, he's only been knocked out once. By, uh, that was by a head kick. Thompson, right? And, yep, yeah, against Thompson. And, uh, man, you know, uh, I, I was saying, um, you know, just in the bloody elbow comment section, it'd be awesome if Diaz went in there, shot a single leg, took him down, subbed him, or grabbed him, pulled Gar, swept, subbed him. Because I think that Diaz would just destroy him on the ground so he would make a joke out of him on the ground man yeah. no i agree with that that's that's the but formula happen. no it's not because everyone wants to see a stand-up fight you know and diaz wants to prove himself yeah and it's like you know that's what i mean man the, the other thing to consider about mcgregor is he's not really a featherweight i mean one, one of the things that's really interesting is that yeah he's always had the size advantage because the dude is probably more likely to, you know, should really be in the lightweight division, you know, but I believe all of his losses have come in the lightweight division, you know, when his pre UFC, you know, era. So, I mean, yeah, I think Nate hit the nail on the head in the press conference, you know, where he's like, yeah, you know, your bitch ass belt doesn't mean anything to me because you've been beating up midgets your whole career, you know? So there's some, there actually is something to be said for that because let's see how McGregor does in the lightweight division, you know? I mean, yeah, he's fighting at 170, but he's not fighting a, a welterweight. He's fighting a lightweight at 170, you know. Let's see how he does against Rory McDonald or Robbie Lawler <laughs> or fucking Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Oh, my God. Rory McDonald would do horrible things to Conor McGregor. Yeah, that's a fight horrible. McGregor doesn't want. He doesn't want that fight. And that's the other thing about that. this whole travesty here, this whole circus, is that there was a series of people who actually put their lot in to fight him, and he selected who he's going to fight. So he picked somebody that he felt that is beatable. You know. So yeah, I know, I know there's this all fight anybody, anywhere, but you're not really fighting anybody anywhere. You're making the decision based on who you think you can beat, and you're fighting that person. You know, I think Eddie Alvarez was actually in in the one of the people who was being considered to fight um, McGregor. And then I, I read that I, I heard on another podcast where they're like, oh, no, no, they're never going to fight him because he's just going to take him down and they don't want to risk like losing their their big star. And if that's the fucking truth, then there is no difference between WWE and the UFC. If that's if that's really the way it's going, it's not even a fucking real sport. If it's just like. We want to keep our star intact, you know, then it's bullshit. It's not, you know, it's well, not like, you know, well, we know people like, like Rory, like Lawler, Weidman, Rockhold, you know, all those guys, Bisping, you know, they're all like real fighters for sure. Oh yeah. So even if the UFC decides to like do some real ugly fucking shit like that to make some money, I don't agree with it. And I, and I, and I, you know sigh heavily um i don't agree with it i don't support it but they're lucky that 
there are fighters, and that's what really makes up the UFC. Yeah. Because what they would have it be, it seems, at times, is not that. What it is, because, thankfully, fighters are what it is. Yeah, definitely. Thankfully. But, you know, at times like this, I get really cynical about the UFC, just because, you know, it's it's like... There's like a lot of kinkiness when it comes to McGregor's career. You know, it's like, okay, cool. You know, Aldo. You know, arguably the dude might have been at the end of his career, man. You know, he's been in a lot of battles. Sure. You know, for like an entire year, there's been this buildup to this fight. Everybody wants him to lose. Everybody. The UFC wants him to lose. Every motherfucker wanted fucking Jose Aldo to lose his belt. You know, that's that's the kind of pressure that you and I would can never understand, dude. Like I can't I don't know what the kind of pressure that is. You know, when you even GSP, man, when GSP when he retired, his you can tell like his head just was not in the game anymore, man. You know, and I can imagine just relief if you're like the champ for that many years, everyone's gunning for you, you know. People are talking shit. Other fighters like Nick Diaz are talking shit about you, you know. And it's like, finally, it's fucking over with, man. I kind of feel like Aldo might have felt that way, like, after the fight, too, man. He's like, oh, at least it's over with. At least I don't have this fucking guy. He's not insulting my family anymore. At least, like, you know, Dana White, you know, all these feelings are, are gone now, you know? So. Well, he had, a, he had two things going on. It was, like, the weight of everyone wanting to, him to fail and then his whole nation wanting him to succeed. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, he did not look himself in that, like, walking out or anything. Nope. He looked pallid. He looked, I don't, he looked old. Yeah. Fucking guy's like, only 29 fuck, years old, man. He was only 20, like, he's like, he's still, he's under 30, right, Jose Aldo? He looked like he was about 45 in that fucking, when he walked in there, man. You know, and I'm I'm glad Diaz is fighting him because there is because he's a fucking wild card, man. He might pull this out. He, you never know, man. He's got a reach advantage. For the first time in any of the fights we've seen McGregor, he's not going to be the bigger guy. In, in the in the in the um, during the press conference, they had the the face off. Nate is a lot bigger than him. You know? Oh, I haven't seen it. I gotta see oh, that. Yeah. I want to see him next to each other. I think it's on. Um, I think it's on Fight Pass press conference you know they do like a quick stare you know stare now real quick nate's bigger nate is a lot he's six two mcgregor's only like five nine um i mean this, this shit doesn't mean anything really but it's like but the one significant thing is the reach advantage you know and frankly mcgregor's i don't has mcgregor knocked anyone out with a kick because i don't feel like his kicks are really his kicks are he uses his kicks to set up his hands his kicks are maybe to tenderize your body a little bit you know, but he's not, you know, knocking anyone out head kicks. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it's like accumulation of strikes. Yeah. He's got that great left hand. You know, him and Nate are both southpaws. You know, Nate rests heavily on that lead leg. So he's wide open to leg kicks, you know, so he's going to have to pay attention to that, you know. But then again, you know, leg kicks. All you got to do is check a couple of those leg kicks, and he's going to stop throwing them. If you check one or two leg kicks, you get that go shin to shin or shin to knee with somebody, 
That's it. You're not going to throw that anymore. I don't care how conditioned your fucking legs are. You know, seriously, I don't care. I don't care who you are. If you if you check a couple of leg kicks, you're going to think twice about throwing that. Also, you're going to get a hematoma on your fucking shin and you're not going to throw it. So, you know, if he's paying attention, maybe like that might. But I've never seen Nate check a leg kick, though, unfortunately. But you never know, man. You know, I'm still going with Nate. I don't give a fuck. You know, <laughs> fucking 209. <laughs> awesome. And that's that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, shit. I don't know. I, you know, of course, I think McGregor's gonna could win. Diaz is such a wild card. Dude. Yeah. You're right when you said that. I'm like, you look at the 18 and 10, and it doesn't tell the whole story, man. That guy's like, just he's, the scrappiest. And he's fought everyone too, man. You know, he's fought. I mean, he fought. He fought. He went the, the distance with um with fucking JDS, uh, um, Rafael dos Anjos. Yeah, and Rory McDonald. And Rory McDonald. Actually, he def- wait. No, he didn't beat Rory McDonald. Three rounds of Three, getting his yeah. ass yeah suplexed like five times. Yeah, kept getting up, kept trying to fight. Ugly, ugly loss, but dude, didn't break him. No, I mean, it would be rad if this went the distance. You know, I think that would be cool. That'd be awesome. You know what I mean, and and that's uh, hey. Do you think McGregor's ever going to fight at one forty five again? <laughs> that's the that's the fucked up thing. That's what's fucked up. It's how this motherfucker can be champ at one forty five and not defend the fucking belt. That that sucks, man. Because I don't know. I mean, Frankie Frankie Edgar was champ at one fifty five, and when he went down to featherweight, he had to give up the, the belt. What's going to happen when, when John Jones gets the light heavyweight belt and then he wants to go up to heavyweight? Is he going to have to re- relinquish the light heavyweight belt or are they going to let him hang on to two belts too? You know? Like, who who the fuck makes these rules? If you can make a rule, you got to stick to it you, or, or you just do whatever the hell you want, man. Fuck that, you know? I think it's stupid. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. There needs to be some consistency. Yeah, you know? And that's... uh. The other thing I don't like about McGregor is his fucking coach, that John Kavanaugh guy. Have you ever heard of a coach talking shit, talking trash about other fighters? No. That guy's no. like a classless fuckwad, if you ask me. It's like, have you see Greg Jackson talk shit about anybody? You ever see, like, uh, Duke, you know, Duke Javier Ruf- Mendez? No, yeah, way, Duke man. Rufus, or, or, you know, or, or um, yeah, any, no one. It's all, it's all professional. John Hackleman? No, none of John, those guys. No way, man. Yeah. John Hackleman's heart rate is probably still at like 38 beats per minute, like at all times. Like that dude is like the most low key guy, man. I just think it's like poor martial arts sensibilities, man, to do stuff like that, you know. And honestly, who who else do they have in his camp out there besides him? They got nobody. Like the the only the only guy that. Is is really has any chance of going anywhere? Is Gunnar Nelson really? You know, but Damian Maya took him to took him to school on on jujitsu. You know, that was awesome. Yeah. that was crazy. But who else is out there? Katal Pendred, he just gave up and he retired. Um, 
that little Irish chick, um, I can't remember her name, that she was in the Ultimate Fighter. And uh, yeah, there's a couple other people out there, but no one, there's no one really. McGregor. And McGregor, for, you know, for what it's worth, he probably, it's more him than John Kavanaugh. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever background he brought into this thing, it's probably his exceptional athleticism and his uh, ability to absorb information that's, that's making him succeed. Not necessarily John Kavanaugh, you know. I don't know. I just think it's a, it rubs me the wrong way when like the coach is like talking shit about people. I think that's yeah. That's a good point, man. I agree. I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. And you and you don't hear that from any other nope. coach. You know what I mean? No. And and I don't know. I just don't like shit talking. I guess I just you know. I think it's like a weak. It's a weakness as opposed to a virtue. You know. I mean, I know it sells fights and everyone. Oh you know, yeah, you know, you know. Let, let's. Well, it's using another thing aside from fighting to win a fight. Yeah, I mean, you know. It's it's rampant in boxing. I understand that, you know, but the reason why I like MMA is because it's not like boxing. The reason why I enjoy this over boxing is because it it, it embodies more of the martial arts sensibility, you know. And I think that yeah, there's some fun shit talking with Chael Sonnen and you know Josh Koscheck and these guys. You know, they had their thing, but it was obviously a character. You know what I mean? And that people do say that Conor McGregor is playing a character, but you know. It's like having a mustache, like in living in Williamsburg. It's like, yeah, man, I, I'm not really into this, but I have a, but I, but I am though. But you become that thing, sheer by the sheer fact that you're doing that thing. So it's like you know, there's like a thin line between irony, you know, and being a fucking jackass. You know what I mean? So I don't know. This I'm sure you know. It's like, hey, man, you know, it's beautiful, McGregor. You know. He's got his fans. That's cool. You know, I'm not one of them. That's all I can say. <laughs> well put, man. Well put. Yeah. But uh, but that's it, man. I'm looking forward to this weekend. There's some good fights, you know, coming up. And, um, you know, a bunch of cool shit. Should be a, a fun weekend of watching fights. Oh, yeah. It's a good card, man. There's a lot of good stuff on it. Yeah. Actually, the last couple of weeks have been good. You know, like there was Glory on Friday. There was actually a Bellator on Friday, which is in my DVR, which I didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch yet. Really, I didn't even know that. Yeah, this past oh. Friday there was they had a, there was a Bellator, and uh, you know, then there was this, the the card on Saturday, which I almost missed because it was in uh, London. Well, I, I didn't wouldn't have really missed it because it was on Fight Pass. But right, it was at like. Uh... Like, started at like 2 p.m. or something. Yeah, right? yeah. The main four? card started at four, and um, I watched some of the like prelims, and then I just I had some stuff I had to take care of, but then I tuned back in for the main card, and um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was sick. It was great. It was good to see. It. Actually, it was kind of cool watching fights during the day. Kind of leaves your night open. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, there were some good fights, man. Uh, you know, Mister Finland and uh, shit. I guess I can't remember anything else, but yeah, there were some good fights. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for uh, taking uh, time out of your night, man. I appreciate it. And, uh, oh, yeah, man. It's always great. It's always pl- my pleasure. All right, dude. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, come up with a schedule of when we're going to do these because there's a lot of fights, man, and it's it's tough to make every one of them happen. You know what I mean? Definitely. So, all right, Andrew. The next one is uh, Mark Hunt versus Frank Muir later in the month. we got to check that. that. That's a definite, man, for sure. All right, bro. Have a good night.
You too, man. Good night. Peace, Mike.